So when we look at the calendar of the church and the lectionary of the church uh, and how those two things fit together, we often get some good insight into the priorities of the church. Uh, and it's interesting that on these two Sundays uh, that we have, the one just passed and this one today, uh, which bracket the Feast of the Exaltation of the Cross, the church is careful to assign readings for the Exaltation of the Cross for both the Sunday before the Exaltation of the Cross and the Sunday after the Exaltation of the Cross. And uh, we spoke last Sunday about the importance of the cross and the how the message of the cross, the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, is for everyone. So today, uh, I want to sort of pick up on the gospel reading that was given to us uh, for the after the Feast of the Exaltation of the Cross and uh, focus in on what does this way of the cross mean for us? How do we do this? How do we, as we just heard, take up our cross? This is not one of those subjects that's fun to preach on because as soon as I preach on it, I have to do it. And this is a, nobody likes to take up their cross, uh, including me. Um, that's kind of the point. So we, we spoke about uh, that taking up of the cross kind of in its initial form last week as uh, repentance. Repentance is the beginning of that. But this way of the cross is actually a lot more than that. In fact, we can see this way of the cross built into the very sort of foundation of the world. Our daily experience of life is such that if we want to actually succeed and do well at pretty much anything in this life, we find that it's hard work. We find that we actually have to deny ourselves. Uh, I'm in the midst of the beginning of the school year, and as a teacher, I'm, uh, there's, there's lots of things on my plate at this point, and there's, there's lots of other things I'd much rather be doing, but if I want to actually be a good teacher to my students, I actually have to set aside all those things that I'd rather be doing, all the fun things, <laughs> kind of, uh, and, and just focus in on what I need to do just in order to be a good teacher. So this is a kind of universal principle that we find in, sort of built into everyday life, our experience of life in this world, that in order to do anything well, we actually have to self, uh, sacrifice that which we want. And that's actually, you know, it's not a bad starting point, but it's not the ending point. So Jesus says uh, this actually at least a couple of times in the gospel. And the bit that we heard here today, he says uh, to his disciples, uh, actually, uh, right after Jesus has said to Peter, you know, get behind me, Satan, because Peter was telling him, no, no, you can't possibly go down to Jerusalem and be crucified. You know, that, that may these things never be. And Peter, Jesus actually turns to him and calls Peter Satan for telling him not to go and be crucified. Um, uh it says, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. Uh, 
then then that's the con this is the context in which he calls the people to himself so after this he was like okay i guess i better clarify here uh what my message is because you obviously obviously even my closest disciples haven't got it yet so he calls the people to himself with his disciples also and he says to them whoever wants <clears throat> to come after me let him deny himself take up his cross and follow me uh, Luke in the Gospel of Luke, when he he uh, recounts the same uh, this same incident, he actually has Jesus saying, "Let him take up his cross daily and follow me." For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, <clears throat> but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world? And loses his own soul or what will a man give in exchange for his soul and here I want to jump back to uh, Matthew chapter 10 uh, where uh, Jesus is saying this the same thing you have to take up your cross and in this case uh, it's he's actually telling it to his disciples before he sends them out he sends out his disciples to, to preach the gospel, uh, and he, he gives them a pretty solemn warning. Uh, first of all, he says, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. That sounds pretty familiar. We just kind of heard that. Um, whoever denies me before men, I, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. And he says, do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. So I think this kind of helps to inform what Jesus is talking about here, because he's like he's he's talked about this on multiple occasions, and he's talking about being ashamed of him. But more than that, he's talking about some pretty fundamental human relationships. Whoever loves father or mother more than me, he says is not worthy of me. It doesn't actually mean that we need to literally hate our father and mother, although he does say that at one point. Uh, he didn't say, put the word literally in there, because uh, I believe he means it figuratively. But what he is saying is that you actually have to identify more with me than with anybody else in your life. You have to love me more than anyone else in your life. This is actually pretty hard for us as human beings. It might have been a bit easier in some respects for the disciples, but we, we find that love is most consciously and most manifestly uh, or, uh, um, known to us in actual relationships with other human beings. 
we know about, and, and, and in fact, the, the apostle himself says kind of this as well. He says, no man can love God whom he has not seen if he does not love, uh, love his brother whom he has seen. So how, how is this supposed to work? We, 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 I, th I think the way that Jesus is talking about it here means that we know what it is to love our father, our mother, our sister, our brother. We know how that works. And we have to take that love that we have and that love in its utmost purity and then love Christ in that same way, with that same loyalty, with that same absolute unbreakable commitment to the end of our lives in a way that is that, that, that goes beyond any love or commitment to any human being. This is a pretty bold claim. This is this is one of the reasons why when Jesus when C.S. Lewis is talking about you know reckoning with Jesus, he says you, you kind of are really led to only one of only three conclusions: either he's a liar or a lunatic, or he is who he says he is, the Lord God Almighty, who to whom alone this kind of loyalty, this kind of, of love, uh, this kind of absolute self-sacrifice and obedience is due. So when he's talking about this, are you ashamed of me or not ashamed of me? Are you confessing me or not confessing me? Uh, it's, it's really about, I think perhaps the best way to think about it in our current modern times, it's really about identity. What is our identity founded and grounded in? Or perhaps better, who is our identity founded and grounded in? And that's another aspect of what we just read, right? Father, mother, sister, brother, these are relationships that are the foundation of and really define on some level on on well on not just some level on pretty much every earthly level our human identity our psyche our soul and jesus is telling us that this needs to be replaced because well it's broken. However much we love our father, our mother, our sister, our brother, uh, our, our children, it's, it's, it's not, we cannot find our full identity there. They're fallible human beings like us. But this is hard. This is, this, this, is, this is why Jesus says we have to take up our cross. We have to take up our cross daily because this process of identification with Christ, 
this absolute commitment to, this absolute love for Christ, needs to encompass our whole being, our whole life, our whole, our whole understanding of the universe around us. It is the filter through which we interact and see everything, interact with and see everything that we, and everyone that we come into contact with. And we kind of cling to our life. We want to save our life. We want to save this or that or other, this or that other very precious to us aspect of, well, that's, that's a key part of who I am. I can't give that up. Uh, video games? Uh, no, no, I have to play some video games. Sorry, that's my, my besetting sin, <laughs> right? Uh, that, that's, um, uh, or, you know, there are some, there are much deeper, more fundamental things that we are hanging on to that are key to who, or we feel like this is the key to who we are. This is the one thing that is non-negotiable. The problem is that as those things get threatened, we get, we, we immediately go into defensive mode. We immediately, or sometimes offensive mode. <laughs> we're, 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 we fight for those things. But that's precisely what Christ says we are not to fight for. We are not to fight at all. We are to be take up our cross, which is to be crucified with Christ. So that all of these things that, that we feel like feed into our identity, feel like is like the core of our being, the core of our psyche, the core of our identity, they're supposed to be nothing compared to that one, the one with whom we ultimately identify. And who is that? Well, that's Christ. If we're taking up our cross, we're following Christ. We're following the example of Christ. Now, the, the discouraging part of this, as I say, is, is it's hard. We really, really, really don't want to do this. And here we have an encouragement in the epistle reading. Paul is talking there about uh, the Jewish Christians as opposed to the Gentile Christians and, and how, you know, um, uh, the, we who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentile, know that a man, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even as we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. So here he's talking about the experience of the Jews, uh, and in particular of the Jewish Christians. The law was absolutely central to their identity. But that too, in Christ, had to be shelved, had to be put away. And it was, in fact, a mercy. Because Paul, as he talks about the law, he makes it really clear that if you're, if you're trying to go to, 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 um, to if, if your salvation, if, if your, uh, the health of your eternal soul is dependent upon you managing to keep the law in its fullness, 
absolutely without ever breaking it, well, you're doomed. You're not going to be able to manage it. Thankfully, that's not what God is ultimately looking for. I mean, the law is good. He gave it to us so that we could discern good from evil. But what he's looking for is faith in the one whom he provided. Faith in Jesus Christ. That's where our justification comes from. That's, where, that's what God looks for in us. If we, we, while we seek to be justified by Christ, we are, and, and then he has to like kind of go, go in and, and, and clarify this because people are immediately going to say, but what? Then you can just do whatever you want, right? No, no, that's completely the opposite of the point that Paul is making here. If while we seek to be justified in Christ, we ourselves are also are found sinners. Is Christ therefore the minister of sin? God forbid. No. If, we, if while we are looking to Christ as the author and finisher of our faith, as the one whom we are following, as the source of our identity, we find it becomes clear that we have failed in that, that we are sinners. Does that mean that Christ, you know, that this, that this faith in Christ is futile? Or that somehow Christ is, a, is, is serving up more and more sin. He's like, God forbid. For if I build again those things which I destroyed, because remember, the beginning of this whole thing was repentance, right? Acknowledging our brokenness, acknowledging our failure. And if we repent and continue in repentance, if I build again those things which I destroy, that's a part of repentance, right? That acknowledgement. It's like, oh, wait, I, I messed up this, like my, my kids have made a block tower and I've, uh, as a big adult, stumbled along and, and, and broken it. And if I then stoop down and start to rebuild that block tower, then it's clear to my children and to everybody around that I shouldn't have destroyed it, Right? If I rebuild that which I have destroyed, I make myself, I show myself to be a transgressor. For through the law I died, for I through the law died to the law, that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live, I live in the, in the, in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved himself and gave himself for me. So the good news is, well, it doesn't sound like good news. We have to die. We have to die to ourselves. We have to be crucified ultimately with Christ as we identify with Christ. But as we do so, we are, like Christ, raised to do life. And the life that we live is actually the life of Christ. It's Christ living within us, working within us to will and to do according to his good pleasure, as he says in another place. So that we, as we die to ourselves, as we die to what we want, we and, and we, we, we are, find ourselves alive to what Christ wants. 
to what is good, to what is healthy, to what is healing. And that life at work in us is an eternal life. It is one that, that is uh, uh, um, eternally life-giving, healing in the fullest sense of that word. And as we take up our cross daily, yeah, it's hard. But at the same time, what we're giving up as we take up our cross is that which would have died anyway. What we are taking up, what, what we are receiving as we are identifying with Christ is that eternal life that we were made for in the beginning. And as that comes to define us, as Christ himself comes to define us, we are like him, eternal, and like him, giving glory to God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, now and ever into ages of ages. Amen.